I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode 22 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and joined as always is my co-host, Josh, the sun-kissed revenger, Rudy Rudolph. That's right, nicknames are back, baby. This is a podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? What's up? I'm dying, vibing, thriving, all the ends. All the ends? Ah. All right. The sun-kissed revenger. You get revenge on everyone who steals your sun-kissed cans. Darn tootin' right. <laughs> no one takes your sodas. No. All right, and what a week for nerds and media consumers everywhere. We got Thor 4 and Stranger Things this past week. And before we talk about any of that, Rudy, did you watch anything good this week besides those two things you can't mention? Okay, give me one moment. Because I actually had some stuff too. I watched Top Gun Maverick, like I said I was going Ooh. to do. Uh, I finally did it. I I watched Elvis, and it's it's fine. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> It's three hours almost. It's like two hour forty minutes something. It's a bit long. Indeed. Uh, uh, Austin Butler was great in it. I liked Austin Butler. I I liked the music. I loved the style overall from Baz Luhrmann. Yep. I didn't like Tom Hanks's casting or performance. As you said, he gave off major Jared Leto and House of Gucci vibes, and I one hundred percent agree with that this statement. Is Paolo. <laughs> I watched uh, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Did- I actually liked it and had fun. I was not expecting that. Yeah, last episode uh, we st- we recorded on July first, and you said immediately that you had to, we had to stop recording so you to go watch Minions: Rise of Gru with your brother. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty uh, funny. I finished The Boys season three, another fantastic season from that show. I watched Adam Sandler's Netflix movie Hustle, another fantastic drama for him. I would highly recommend it, even if you don't watch basketball. Um. Yeah, I think that's about the major stuff that I've seen lately. Overall, had a good time watching things? Yes. Are you keeping up with Miss Marvel? I am, and I am loving it. The last episode, the final episode is next week, right? Or this week? Uh, yes, the last episode does come out this week. I also watched the first Top Gun. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick's better. I, yeah, Maverick is, of course, definitely better. I think the love of the first film just comes from the nostalgia of it. See... I don't care about the military propaganda in either one, which is all it is. It's just a glorified commercial for the, for the Navy. And mm. also, it has contradicting messages of stay in line and do the right thing and also be wild and don't follow the rules. Exactly. That's what's, that's how you survive. That's what, that's how Tom Cruise does life. I also rewatched and showed my, showed my parents The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. So 
God. It's a great movie. I love it. I love it so much. I, I remember when that came out, like, seeing the trailer, I was just like, what is this? And why do I want to see it so bad? And I saw, like, the critical reception for it was so mixed. And, you know, fast forward to today, and, like, everyone that's watching it loves it and is wondering why critics were so mixed on it. A review basically said, this is just a two-hour Super Bowl commercial for something. And I kind of agree with that. <laughs> it's like, try and gum. Unleash your limits. <laughs> that's kind of the vibe I get a bit. But it's great. It's fun. It's inspiring. Ben Stiller is a very good director. I've been watching his Apple show Severance. So fantastic. He likes Adam Scott a lot. Which I yes, understand Adam why. Scott is also great in it. Adam Scott plays a lot of jerks. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. The beard is so fascinating to me. Indeed. All right, Josh. What a week it was, man. That's so weird to think that Stranger Things came out a week ago. Yeah. Or finished a week ago. Yeah. Technically, like, ten days from, ne- from ago, but, like, still. Eh. It's a week ago. If we recorded this promptly, <laughs> the way it was supposed to be recorded, it would have been a week ago. Promptly? Who do you think we are? <laughs> All right. But this podcast, not only do we talk about pop culture and nerdy stuff, we also, every episode, go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM for short. And we will see how, in a short period of time, the biggest media company on Earth, Disney, caters towards solely children instead of families, but with their DCOMs, with a large table size, and we'll see any quality changes, etc. That's why we watched the movie Rip Girls. It's the next DCOM on the list. Also, the year 2000. This is the worst year of DCOMs so far out of the two, three we've seen. The only good film that, truly good film to come from this year has been, um, what's, what's the one? The, ah... I can't think words. Mouth. Color of Friendship? Yes, that one. I couldn't think of it. Yeah, it was good. Yes. The others have been so far been fine, but that's about it. They've, they've either been met or Alley Cat Strike. That movie's a godsend. What do you mean, Josh? <laughs> what do you mean? Go watch our last episode to hear about Alley Cat Strike and the I, rapper Macklemore. I was so tired of it, not only when I watched it, but when I recorded it, and I said some great stuff. Yeah, I just edited all that yesterday. That was interesting. <laughs> that, episode, that episode's going to go out while the day we're recording this. So, that was episode 21, this is episode 22. We're in for some good time. But we also talk about news, geeky, nerdy, pop culture news, as well as, at the end, every episode we do a super weird story, which that will be explained when we get there. Ready, Josh? Eh, why not? So... We're starting with some sad news. Oh, why do you do this to me? <sighs> so a tragedy happened a few days ago. We lost legendary actor James Caan. Most viewers of our age group know him as Buddy the Elf's dad from Elf. But he was also the author in Misery, he was Sonny in the Godfather films, and he had an overall massive, massive career, and he was passed away at the age of 82 years old. He was a great actor. It's going to hurt watching... Elf, every Christmas from now on, it's just sad. He really was amazing. <laughs> when I when I rewatched The Godfather, I'm just like, how did they get him to do Elf? <laughs> I still want to know how that conversation went down. I still don't watch The Godfather. Either well, watch it and be happy that he gave a great performance. Okay. On other news, some <laughs> movies came out. We got, like I said, this past week we got Thor 4, but we also got Mr. Malcolm's List and The Forgiven. 
Uh, I did not hear about Mr. Malcolm's list until I went to work and saw that we had it. And yet we've gotten people to see it. If I haven't heard of it, how have they heard of it? If they're like 60, it's something that they might want to see. So I'm Again, I would still like to know how they have heard of this. I hear about every th- movie. I've not heard of that movie. Some people just look at what's, what's in theaters like that day and then just be like, oh, let's go see it. Okay. That being said, the AMC in my town does not have it. We have like five movies right now. It's a pretty small theater. But it's mostly Thor 4 right now. Uh, four. The, the four. It's Thorvin Thunder. The Forgiven. Have you heard of it beforehand? I just looked it up. No, I have not. Okay, it came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks fine. Yep. It's got Ray Fiennes in it. And also, another person, Jessica Chastain. Everything must be faced. That's the tagline. I don't think that everything must be faced. I don't that think tells me nothing of the movie. Correct. It's suspenseful. Ooh. Is it playing anywhere? Is it playing at your theater? Nope. Well, it came out on July 1st. So anyway, cool. And soon we get some great movies. On the 22nd, we get the movie Nope. I'm super hyped for. Yes. I actually went to the library, a physical library, and checked something out, Josh. Weird. I checked out the DVD Nope. Not Nope. Nope. <laughs> I was just like, oh, so they've already bootlegged it. I've time traveled, Josh. I checked out the DVD Get Out to show my dad. Crazy. And also, you own it. What? I I gave you a oh, copy Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, I wasn't in there to get it. I was in there to ask a question about something. Um, and then I just saw it on the shelf. But that's really funny. I also checked out the movie Drive, so at least it wasn't, like, for nothing. I still need to see Drive. Me too! Come over and watch it with me. You live many hours away. That's why it's fun. We got Namor picks, Josh, from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We did. He I'm has... we did a good trailer during Thor. He has the little wings on his feet still! I'm so happy! Do you want to know why I'm happy about that, Josh? Why? Namor is like Aquaman, the fact that he's half Atlantean and half human. But his human half actually gave him the X gene. Ah. And his one mutant power is little wings on his feet. That, man, the the X-Men just, you can either have the greatest powers known to man, or you can have winged feet. He can fly. How did the little wings on his feet (laughs) make him fly? That's like, it's like Hermes, Josh. Yeah, but th- at least those are shoes. He can take them off. No, no, these are attached to his ankles, and he floats around. <laughs> well, my question awkward. is, since he's in the water, does he have to dry off his feathers first on his feet? <laughs> these are the questions that writers of comic books don't want to answer. They don't want to answer it. Correct. Oh, crazy! We also got pictures of a few more people from uh, Black Panther Two, but Namor was the biggest like cool thing to happen out of that. Going to be played by Tanakh Huerta, and this version of Namor will be inspired by different Latin cultures like the Aztecs and the Mayans. I think that's really cool, because they didn't want to just have Aquaman again, the movie. 
Yeah, his hit from the design concepts that I guess have leaked or were released, however it was, you, like you could definitely see that, and like it's gonna be hard for people to compare him to Aquaman, aside from you know the water, aside of the, from the whole Atlantis superhero thing, half Atlantean, half human. Yeah, he still has a lot of basis in some of the things to Aquaman, but like it's not gonna be that similar. Also, he is genuinely an actual antihero. And what you mean? You mean Sony's antiheroes aren't actually antiheroes? <laughs> Craven the animal lover? No. <laughs> Morbius the living vampire who doesn't like to be a vampire. He sucks on red bags. That's it. No, he sucks on blue bags. We gotta be clear on that. Also, it's Smurf blood. Because <laughs> we're we're experts apparently on all this stuff. But Morbius also at the end he doesn't need the the blood anymore. He just starts flying away and fine. What happened there? Anyway, what a movie Morbius was. But Namor. Morbius is the first movie I've seen that forgot how to movie. Oh, boy. Namor. <laughs> Let's address this part more. Uh, it, the version of Atlantis is going to be a sunken Mayan or Aztec uh, city. And that's really cool to cool. me. Cool. I love it. I love that idea. People are like, they're ruining it. Someone actually commented on my video about him saying that they ruined his character. Because, first off, the movie's not out yet. Second off, because they changed his backstory. No, they just added more backstory. <laughs> That's literally it. That's I it. Am, I am excited. I know little to nothing about Namor other than he's other than the base idea that he's Marvel's Aquaman. That's all I've ever known. Do you know that? And I'm excited to see what it's going to be like. Did you know that he predates Aquaman? I did not. Or yes, did I? He, I don't remember. He was the first mutant in comic books. I do remember that fact. Uh, yeah, he also... This is a really cool thing. Namor is someone who constantly woos Sue Storm. And kind of makes her cheat on uh, Rita but sometimes. I think I remember... Doesn't make her, like... but you know. I think I remember when I read the Civil War novelization, I think I remember Sue going to Namor for help or something and, like, talking about, like, ooh, we were lovers once or something like they that. They have an on-again, off-again fling um, through his seduction because he never wears clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he wears little green undies. I mean, you're not wrong. He does have outfits in the comics, but the green undies are what's iconic. And they're keeping them, but, like, they're brief, like, boxer briefs kind of looking thing. And it's really fun. Also, if I had that body, why not show it off? I mean, he he looks like a god. <laughs> uh, Namor picks yay or nay? I give yay. Yay! Avatar 2 news. Oh, goody. Actually, three pieces of Avatar 2 news this, this week. Okay, is it news or is it Cameron ranting? We have numerous things. <laughs> the first thing is James Cameron slams <laughs> people. Because uh, he tells off Avatar haters by defending his three-hour runtime, saying uh, Avatar 2 uh, is three hours, but you watch, you binge at least ten-hour shows sitting like in one sitting in eight hours. Um, he says, just go get up and pee. And I don't think he understands that it's not the same thing when we have a pause it, button. Not only do we have a pause button, but most people will be on their phones at least like at the very least, like, a quarter of the time they're watching. So, like, they're half paying attention the whole time. But in a theater, you're supposed to be paying attention the whole time and not have your phone out. I don't mind that. That's not... I think the biggest thing is just having to get up, go pee, get snacks. If someone needs to talk to you, you can talk to them. 
as binging a show is not the same thing as staying in a movie theater at all. And he should know this. Every time he opens his mouth lately, he just gives off major boomer vibes. Yeah, like targeting Wonder Woman, the movie, 2017. I forgot that! He's not the best dude. But this movie looks pretty, at least. The the ego he has, and I, like, his films, like, he's a very good director. He knows what he's doing. He's only made, like, six films, though, in his entire career. But he's they are major films. <laughs> for directing, at least. He's produced and worked on writing and stuff for a lot more. Yes, but still, he makes it seem like that he's the god of cinema, knows what he's doing. He's also the man that filmed most of Avatar 2 actually underwater and made his cast learn how to breathe for, you know, five minutes underwater or however long it was. And then, meanwhile, while he's doing that, Aquaman is filming on green screens and stuff and looks very good. <laughs> we also got our first look at Sigourney Weaver as Jake and Natiri's teenage Navi daughter. <laughs> Do you have questions? I have questions. From my recollection of the first film, they tried to do the body consciousness transfer thing to her when she died. Right. And didn't work. But then it worked for Jake. So then my question is, is this still Sigourney's character from the first movie, or was she somehow reborn and doesn't know who she is? Either way, this was a very weird choice. <laughs> I think maybe the consciousness went into that big life tree, and then it was, it was she was reborn into the next child. So the hair fucking led to Sigourney being born again? Yeah. What a phrase. <laughs> you said it. Also, I said Cameron's the one that thought it and wrote it and directed it. Here's the third piece. Oh, goody. Of the Avatar 2, The Way of Water News. And it's from both the trailer as well as now we have more set pictures. That Stephen Lang is back also as a Na'vi. Which is confusing. So we're letting the racist uh, colonialist become one of the natives. So I also have an explanation on Sigourney and on Stephen Lang now in this article. In this was movie it, now. Was your hunch of the life tree? No. The colonel will be coming back as something called a recombinant or recom. This is apparently a new technology that can embed the memories of dead human soldiers into Avatar Navi bodies. This is horrendous. That makes sort of sense for him. That makes no sense for Sigourney. <laughs> this is also just horrendous that you're putting the... You're forcing... The military is forcing themselves into bodies of the people they hate. That was the idea of the first one, being like, yo, this is bad, let's not do this, this is shame. And now it's just like, actually, let's go full with it. Why not? It seems like fun. Nay. Yeah, I'm going to give a nay also. All of this is kind of nay, and also they're they're profiting off of, like, Pacific Islander culture while hiring white people to play these parts. So that's also pretty messed up. Oof. Rise of Gru, Josh, has passed $200 million and is now the highest box office ever over Independence Day of all time. The amount of teenagers I have seen come not only in suits, but just come in droves is insane. Are, pe are teenagers in suits banned at your theater for this movie? Not yet. No, there's a reason. They were vandalizing the theaters. They were, like, setting off fireworks and stuff inside the theaters. Like, there's a reason they were being banned. Oof. But thankfully, not, not in my theater yet. I'm giving this a yay. Making Minions the highest Independence Day of all time a movie? Hilarious. 
I'm giving this a yay because Sony is losing their minds trying to figure out why Morbius uh, didn't do what Minions is doing. So a yay for all the wrong reasons. Indeed. Awesome. Disney Plus changed Jessica Jones' title screen to AKA Jessica Jones, the original title for the Netflix show. I'm, I'm just more curious as to why. Because, like, when you when you look up the show on Disney Plus, it's still just Jessica Jones. It's only changed in the title card. That's fine. I was more curious. Yeah. I'm going to give this a nay for no reason other than to bandwagon the hatred online. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't will, care. I don't care. I will give it a nay because it's just AKA Jessica Jones, but her superhero name isn't in the title. So if you want the title to make sense, put her superhero name, then Jewel. AKA, then Jessica Jones. Be consistent. You want That's her, what I say. You want say. to say Jewel now? Yes, please add Jewel, AKA Jessica Jones. I want that to be the new <laughs> title so of the stupid. show. <laughs> Indeed, but they're the ones that add the AKA. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have something beforehand, you know. Exactly. We also got, I don't know if you've seen them, like five new posters for DC, six new posters for DC Super Pets. And are, I, think I've, I think I've seen some of them. I can send you the, the link for all of them right now if you want me to. <laughs> and it reveals uh, Lex Luthor casting, and it reveals Lois Lane casting. We have Olivia Wilde now as Lois Lane, officially. Hi. And her tagline is "Life in the Fast Lane." They'll have like teaser, like like little words on them, like the Bruce, the Bruce is loose, is loose. <laughs> tall, Clark, and handsome. Uh, Life in the Fast Lane. Bring a towel for Alchemist. Oh my God! And played by Jermaine plays... Clement. I love that and hate it at the same time. Isn't that amazing? That is such a wild casting. Also, we have Black Aquaman now. I love that. John and Early. John, Early. John Early. The tagline in the Flash poster is just keep up. <laughs> and you scroll down. Uh, Mark Marin Mark Marin or Mark Marone is playing Lex, and the tagline in that poster is smooth criminal. Who's Wonderful. John Early? That I'm name, looking at it. Name's up. familiar. Oh! He's not done as much as we would think he's done. Alright, I like that. I love that, actually. The, the disaster artist, he was Chris. That means nothing. Okay. I he, know I've seen Bob's him in Burgers. stuff. His face is very familiar. So he's a voice actor, mostly. Oh my god, David Diggs is cyborg. Are you serious? Uh, and Jamila Jamil is Wonder Woman. I knew that part. Do you like these posters? I mean, they're, they're character posters. Like, they're fine. I've got nothing against them. I love these taglines. Bring a towel. <laughs> he's gonna get you wet. I'm just cur- I'm still curious if the Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart casting is a contractual obligation for them. Like every so often, they have to star in a movie together, whether that be a cameo or just full on being uh, co-stars. I still give this a yay because Keanu Reeves is Batman. Moving on, Josh. Star Wars: Taika Waititi, Natalie Portman. So, Taika Waititi was apparently on set of Thor: Love and Thunder and was asked by Natalie. What are you going to do next? And he replied saying, I'm hoping to do a Star Wars thing. And then I'm going to use the exact quote of what he said. Taika said, I'm trying to work on a Star Wars thing. Have you ever wanted to be in a Star Wars movie? To Natalie Portman. She said, I've been in Star Wars movies. And he replied, I forgot about those ones. Uh, 
I don't even know how to respond to this. That is just hilarious. I can so see that happening on set for something. Making conversation and saying, oh, you, you want to do Star Wars? And then not realizing, oh, wait a minute. You've done that before. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm willing to bet the two of them had a great laugh about it. That's just very sure. funny to me. I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think it's hilarious. I definitely think he should watch all the movies again before making his own movie. Just to I'm, have- will- I'm willing to bet he is. I don't know. He did, he decided to when he played Blackbeard, look at the Wikipedia page, saw he was from he was from Bristol, and said that's too hard of an accent. I'm not going to do it. I mean, it's also you know fiction. Sure, I'm giving this a yay. This is hilarious. It's very funny. I give it yay. Stephen Ewan, Josh, an actor. Guess what? What? He's going to be in the next Bong Joon Ho film. Yay! Alongside. Robert Pattinson. I am fine with this. You're not mad at this? I am not. For those of you who do not know, Bong Joon-ho is director of Parasite and The Host, and some pretty amazing like Korean horror films, and others like great cinema, so I'm fine Go watch Snowpiercer also. Fantastic film. Oh yeah, he did do that. I am excited to watch whatever he does next. I love Parasite. I love The Host. I have not watched Snowpiercer yet. It's on my list. It's a very long list. We keep adding more movies to our, our watch list as well because more things keep coming out. <sighs> that is how it works. It's a frustrating time. Yay on Bong Joon-ho. Uh, Steven Ewan coming. I love Steven Ewan. He's great. He's He played Avatar Wan in Legend of Korra. If you don't know who he is, he also was in The Walking Dead as Glenn. That's a pretty famous thing he's known for. He was in Fast and the Furious as a character. But most recently, he was nominated for an Oscar for in the leading role for a film called Minari. 
I started it and I haven't finished it yet, but he is fantastic. And also, Invincible. He is the lead in that as well. He also is in Okja. Okja? The Netflix film? Uh, Okja. Okja. And yes, that's another Bong Joon-ho film. Yeah, so I'm glad he's working with him again. Yay! Uh, Jessica Jones thing. Again. Jessica Jones? And Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. So those two were already confirmed to be coming back for Echo a while ago. It's now back in the news again saying they're coming back, but also this time, like it's like official, they've been said they've signed off the papers and stuff, whatever. But in Echo, the rumor is now that Charlie Cox's character of Daredevil is going to be looking for an, needing an ally, and he will go and find Miss Jewel herself, Jessica Jones. And Kristen Ritter has been very coy about this right now. Because she can't say anything. Yeah. I'm giving this a nay solely for one reason. The show's called Echo. Yeah, I give it a nay also. But also mainly because I didn't care for Echo in Hawkeye. I think that she can be a good character. But not letting her be her own character in her own show seems a bit odd. Right. This is the chance to do it. If you didn't like her in Hawkeye, give her this chance. Don't make people watch for Daredevil and Kingpin and Jessica Jones. Okay, I can understand the Kingpin one. That I can That's understand. That's fine. And maybe Daredevil shows up like at the end of the show to help her out. If that's what it is, then that's fine. But if he's like a more prominent character in the show, that has me a little bit worried. If the finale is them having a team to fight Kingpin together, those three. If they team up to fight him, I'm fine with that. Sure. But overall, I'm giving it a petty nay because the show is not called Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Kingpin. Just give us Echo. That's all. That's what I want a deaf character like that to be in the limelight. I give it nay because it's not called Defenders 2.0. <sighs> Come on, Josh. Are they, they're replacing Iron Fist with Echo now in the Defenders. <laughs> Look, as long as Echo doesn't say anything about being the Defender of Kunlun 50 million times, I'm fine with that. So, we got new images from Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. We got the first one, Woman Looking Up. The second oh. one... They're looking up at birds. The third one, sky. The fourth one, elvish trees. This is this looks very pretty. It's very pretty. I don't have a lot to add to it, but it's pretty. And that fourth image does feel like it's in Rivendell in the Lord of the Rings original films. I'm very excited to see the war of streaming services and their mega fantasy shows. Netflix has The Witcher, uh... HBO is bringing back Game of Thrones with House of the Dragon. Amazon has Rings of Power. Who's next? Speaking of the uh, show, did you see the new teaser? Not yet. I'm making you watch it right now, Josh. It's a minute long. Well, fine then. I'll happily watch it just to spite you. That's a good... Okay. <laughs> Characters? Oh, look, there's a tree. That's a man. Oh, paper. This is such, this is such thrilling commentary. The skies are strange. The music's pretty loud. We got birds again. It's the same shots. So the pictures are just, pictures are just from this. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious if Peter Jackson was a consultant on this at all. It's very pretty. The teaser looks like Middle Earth. Oh, that comet's moving. <laughs> what the comet is, Gandalf? It's the Rings of Power. 
the comet's Gandalf. I mean, Gandalf is an Eloin or Lorin, which is like an ancient deity. So maybe he's over two thousand years old. July fourteenth, new teaser. So we got the full trailer in four days. So that'll be on the next episode. We have more Lord of the Rings talk next episode, Josh. Yay. Watch them cast <laughs> watch them cast Michael Fassbender to be a young uh, Gandalf in the show. I'd love that. That'd be hilarious. Even though Gandalf would look the same or should look the same. It's fine. The final piece of news, Josh, is Captain America 4 finds its director a.k.a. Sam Wilson's film as Captain America, because Sam Wilson, Anthony Mackie, is Captain America. Get it through your heads, Internet. Even Chris Evans had a comment on that, and people are still arguing with him about it. <sighs> people are frustrating, but the film, I am excited. The filmmaker has made is known mostly for helming the 2018 Cloverfield Paradox film. And I've not seen any of the Cloverfield films yet, and I know that this one is a bit more mixed than some of them. The reason I think that film didn't work was It had that an editing issue. It had they shoehorned in the Cloverfield idea instead to it. I know that. Yeah, I think I think the problem was that it started out as more of an alien type film that became a Cloverfield film and the director probably wasn't the most comfortable with that happening, but you know, had to work with it. Right. But his next film, Loose, is fantastic that is a very very good film i would highly recommend watching that so i'm excited to see what he can bring uh to captain america he is a nigerian american filmmaker named julius ona and i am excited to see what he does this character i i like sam i like cap i like cap's new suit he's got some fun wings on it and a shield i dig it yay he Thor Love and Thunder came out and it did. Josh and I will disagree on every single part of it <laughs> and I know that and he knows that and that's okay That's we have just equally valid but different takes and that's fine we can have different opinions and I will call him a doo-doo head for it but it's okay <laughs> you're a doo-doo head Josh you're a doo-doo head and, you know you're right <laughs> so Thor Love and Thunder you're giving a yay or nay go, go ahead go ahead I, I give yay, I like. I give nay, I think it's fine. <laughs> Doo-doo head. <laughs> Doo-doo head. <laughs> anyway. Also, see how this is how friendships can work? You don't have to like, you know, avidly bash your people who love or hate something you don't enjoy or do enjoy as much. It's okay. <laughs> wow. The internet makes everything so divisive, Josh. Crazy. It is bombastic, in a word. Is 100% a Taika Thor film. Yes, and therefore, if you're not on board with that, you won't love it. (laughs) But if you are on board with that, you will love it. And that's the difference between us two in this. I am someone that very much vibes with Taika's films, both comedically and just as films in general. I think probably my favorite film of his is Jojo Rabbit. That is a very, very good film. Then... I'd probably go Hunt for the Wilder People, then Ragnarok, then this, then What We Do in the Shadows. All of them are great films, in my opinion. There's not a bad film I've seen of his that, that there's not a bad film I've seen of his. And I think there's like one more film in his filmography I haven't seen yet. I don't remember what it is, though. This is my fourth Taiga film I've seen. I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People, I have seen What We Do in the Shadows, and I've seen his two Thor films. I've not seen Jojo Rabbit yet. 
I plan to. Highly recommend. I, I loved Hunt for the Little People. I loved what we do in the shadows. I just don't enjoy his superhero stuff as much. I will say I loved the Mighty Thor in this so much. Mighty Thor is when Jane Foster is Thor. It's in every trailer. It's in every poster. Move on. She is Thor. She's great. Fantastic. Loved it. Uh, you like gore? Yay. You like gore? Cool. I, I gore, my, my man. My only complaint with gore is that he wasn't in it enough. But when he was in it, my God, I loved his aesthetic. I loved the vibes. Bale's performance was fantastic. It was great. The stuff in the Shadow Realm when it's black and white, I thought was so cool. Yeah, I love I love I loved what they did with the color there. I loved gore in general. I love Christian Bale's performance. Like you said, I I thought his first act entrance was a bit rushed, the way it happened. Personally, it was the movie's less than two hours long, and that's fine. I think it had some overall pacing issues in it. First act seemed rushed, but some of the other stuff seemed a bit muddled, and that's okay, I guess. But I think having more time with Gore at the beginning in, that, in his tragedy would have been nice to have, personally. I think that, for me personally, I think it was enough to understand, especially when he confronts the gods. I think that that was done very well and gets really straight to the point because it's it's a lot of big concepts with his character and why he does what he does and i think that it was done well in the short time frame that it was given and we were talking about before in this podcast i explained wh- who gore is in the past in the, sh- in the show as well it as, is quite a lot <laughs> well yeah I, I also explained the show who gore is but more specifically they got him right yes I we didn't get a god bomb, which I wanted, but because <laughs> honestly, if anyone was going to, was going to do a god bomb, maybe Taika Waititi. Yeah, but I think that Gore was done really well overall. I didn't love there's a switch. He goes from "You didn't help me" to "I will kill all of the gods," and the switch didn't feel natural because the necro sword just kind of went to him and it instantly made him say the vow. So, a little abrupt, but I think there's a few extra lines in between those those moments would have been fine to me. I think there's a few polishing up moments here and there in this film that would have worked better. I don't think there's an actual genuinely bad Marvel film, and Josh disagrees with me on that probably, but this, so I, I don't dislike this film. I just think it's fine. Let's see another good thing. Here we go. I really liked that there was gay. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was gay. There, there are Gay rock men. <laughs> I loved that. This this small subtle line from Astrid. My name's Axel. Was great. Yeah. There's an Asgardian in this movie that a line implying that they're trans, and I loved it. It was great. I love that Taika's trying to give representation to people, and not make it like the the absolute core focus because that would. They don't want their, their identity is not solely sexuality. They're a lot more than that, as everyone is. And I love that. I do not love the fact that he promised the audience for literal years that Valkyrie's entire journey in this movie will be about finding her queen, and that's not what we got from her at all. Yeah, it does seem a bit odd. Like, that was literally word for word from both Tessa and from him saying that this is about finding uh, that she's on her, the hunt for her queen. And that's. I would have loved to see that for her journey, this character. But I also know a lot was cut out of this film, a lot was changed in this film. The first pitch of this film was not what it ended up being. And that's fine, it just means that they 
could have done a bit more damage control and saying, hey, it's not quite that level of super gay as has originally been said. But still, he put as much as he, as he could into the film. Oh, may- oh, okay. That could explain why Lena Headey from Game of Thrones, why she was cut. Maybe she was uh, Tessa's love interest in this. Oh, okay. That, that That's at least my guess. I have nothing going off on that. But <laughs> you saying that stuff was cut, maybe that's also why. Because she did film stuff for it. I don't know to the extent of how much she was in it. But she was in it. Yeah, he had like potentially like four hours of movie. Very curious. Maybe a few extra of those moments could have helped though still, you know? It's to me it's messy. I I didn't laugh at almost any other jokes, like even once. The screaming goats grew on me so much though. <laughs> I do not know what happens. I, I there are two screaming goats in this movie that scream every single time they're on screen and it made me die laughing. At first, I was just like, is this going to work? I don't know if this is going to work. And throughout the film, I was just like, this is working. How and why is this working? And it reminded me of in How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> There's a song in the car. <laughs> they play 500 Miles all the time in their car ride. And they say, just wait. He'll grow on you. And it does. The screaming grew on me. And I don't know how. I don't know why. But me and my dad were sitting next to her. And I had the exact same thought about that. One of my favorite things was the Mighty Thor storyline. I'm very happy that they actually stuck with com- the comics in a lot of um, aspects of it. Yes, I definitely, I brought that up before in the past as well, saying I know what her journey is. I really want them to do it. And I was worried that they would not give her the arc from the comics that I wanted her to have. And they did. And it was not joked about even one second. It was done, it was done very well. And I also really liked how it fit into Thor's I guess Thor, Thor's journey, at least inward self, relating to that. And I don't want to get like too into that for obvious spoiler right. reasons, well, but I think that it, the way it concluded was done very well, in my opinion. Oh, also, if you want to avoid spoilers, there are timestamps down below in the description of every single episode you can see to go jump ahead to whatever part you want to listen to. So if you want to go after this, if you want to skip the spoilers and go to the next part, you can do that. Or skip the superhero story at the end, you can do that. Cool. Now back to this part. Yes, I agree. I really enjoyed most of Jane's stuff in general in this movie. I have some problems with some stuff in it, but I can say that for spoilers, because I can't talk about some things. Like, I had some problems with how the hammer was back in her hand. But I can't say what my specifics are until we're in spoilers. I guess kind of like my general thoughts, I thought that this was a lot of fun. I loved, again, like the first film, great action. I don't think it, the action wasn't as good as the first one, but still very well done, especially with the different... My first one, are you saying Ragnarok? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the first Tycho one. Ragnarok, I think, had like a little bit better action, but still done very well here. I think that it was a lot of fun. To me, the humor clicked with me, but I just clicked with Tycho's humor in everything that he's done. I loved so much of this. I just had a fantastic time with it. Do you know, do you know this movie was almost a mockumentary? <laughs> well, I mean, the... Dale from those two Thor yeah. shorts from Civil Darryl. War, he makes an appearance. Daryl, that's what it is. I was so happy when he showed up. It doesn't mean what the shorts were canon. It just means that he is canon, and I love that. It's go. It's great. Also, Matt Damon returns as the same character from Ragnarok. I'm so happy he returned. Okay, spoilers. Warning, go down below. You can skip ahead to the Stranger Things section or the Super Story section if you do not want to hear any of this. 
Okay, cool. Hercules, played by Roy Kent from Ted Lasso. When I was I wanted to shout out Roy Kent. When he Roy Kent. Up. Roy Kent. Oh boy, that is such a great casting. What's choice. really I'm... funny to me is I had it in our last news section that he was rumored to be in it for last episode, and I cut it out because I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I'm happy I went in blind. Because if I'm like, if I brought it up, that rumor, I'm like, you know what, Josh, uh, the viewers could skip things. Josh can't skip being told things. <laughs> uh, I was happy with that. And he looks, facially and voice-wise at least, like comic book Herc. Although it should be Heracles, because Greek, it's Heracles, the, the Romans was Hercules. Ugh. <laughs> You're about to hear a lot of nitpicks from me, Josh. Oh, I'm, I'm fully expecting that. Okay, I don't love this movie. I don't hate this movie. I think it's fine. I I just uh, <laughs> I don't think it's good. I think it was fun, and there is a difference to me. I think most of it was lazy, lazily written, and most of it was nonsense. I do not like that the wishing thing at the end undid, and that Thor knew where it was, and that kind of undoes a bit of the Infinity Saga stuff to me. Because if that existed, you could it, all of Endgame because like, hey guys, I know a thing. We can investigate this. There. Well, well, to to be fair, with getting into the center of the universe to actually access that stuff, he needed the axe. He didn't know that's what he would have needed to get into there, but Gore was the one that figured it out. That's that's what he needed to access it. Yeah. So even if he knew about it, he wouldn't have been able to get in there. It was just a lot. Also, he was also he was in super depresso mode for five plus years. <laughs> Another uh, hard thing to get to. Let's make a wish. <laughs> Wasn't a fan of that plot point in general. Also, I I thought that how it was going to go was that Gore, something would have happened to Gore. He would have died or something like that. Then Thor would have wished to save Jane's life. If that had happened, I would have been like, okay, that's just, that's, it's not cliche, but that to me kind of would have felt cheating. I think that it should have been Jane being Thor going forward and not Odin's son, personally. I prefer her as Thor at this point. I also think that Jane's Foster's character was a not the best message to cancer fighters right now. Because even with all that power, you still lose that fight. I didn't like that. Because in the comics, that's not at all how it goes. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, she, was, she was also in stage four. And when you hit stage four, that is a very, very difficult thing to survive, essentially. Yes, but it was written that way in the movie. You could, I'm saying that that's a writing thing you can change wish that the cancer scenario went differently i'm glad they brought in the cancer because it was important so that even with that even with that you're still worthy i also wish that jane was just worthy that's it bear that's all it was and not that it was a love spell on the hammer protecting her i wish that she was just defaultly worthy on her own without thor saying i want you to protect her to the hammer oh i took that more as kind of like a joking kind of thing i didn't take that as like that's what it was. Oh, it, it, I took it as I, I took that as she was worthy, and that it was just a joking thing. Like Hammer, make sure you protect her. Like oh, it, it was propped up on the couch and stuff like that. Yeah, but then it glowed magic when he said that, and it, and Cork said that was so powerful it was like magic, and it made a new enchantment on it. I completely missed that when I rewatched it. I had to keep my eyes. Yeah, open. the most powerful magic of all, love, whatever, made it do its thing. I wasn't a fan of that. I w I also do not like it all. That the hammer just came back together. 
I really wish that she reassembled it. I mean, how would she have reassembled it? I, I doesn't matter to me. I think it feels more lazy to me than just she gets near it. Storm clouds happen, and now magic brings it together, because that didn't happen for Odin's son when he and Ragnarok when it was broken. For me personally, I don't. It doesn't bother me that much, and I love the the kind of power up of it of like how she could send it off into individual pieces. That was dope. I do like that. Back together. I like that a lot. I like I said. I, I like most of what she did. The catchphrase thing, little grating. Didn't love that idea, but I thought the end it had a fun little payoff. That was fine. Here's a fun fact: the shadow monsters were created by kids. Taika said in the script he was uh, writing about shadow demons, and his child asked him. What does a shadow demon look, look like? He said, I'm not sure yet. And so she drew one and said, like this? And they made that into a scary monster. It was like a snake with spiders on it and stuff. <laughs> Fun. And then all the kids started drawing. Kids created what the demons look like. That's fun. I, I did love at the end when Thor gave all the kids temporary Thor powers uh, to fight off the shadow demons. I thought that was fun. Ah, disagree. <laughs> I thought that it was fun. Like, you know, you're going to have all the kids there. It's like, well, he's either got two options. He's either got to protect them as long as he can, or he's got to go bother with Gore, which he can't obviously do. He's protecting them. So giving them temporary powers. Why not? Let's have fun with it. Let the kids be be fun for once and not just be, oh, save me. Child hostages. Now you're child soldiers. I, I don't know. It gave a weird vibe to me, and I felt like really cheesy. It gave me like we can be heroes vibes. I didn't like that. I, I thought that it was fun. I know, and that's gr- I genuinely love that you loved it. I'm not trying to sound like condescending. I really am happy how much you love this movie. I love seeing love for movies like this, and it, it just isn't for me. And that's just how I felt about it overall. I don't want to spend a whole time nitpicking something. Like if I know it's not for me, who cares? You know? Yeah, I th- I think for me the re- part of the reason why I love this and Ragnarok and just everything Taika does in general is I. It's not like a flowing freak hair kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of heart and a lot of intelligence that goes behind what he does. But he also can balance, like, seriousness and comedy very well, depending on what the film is. Especially with just the world being on fire for as long as it has been lately. I really needed some good escapist entertainment that was just fun from beginning to end. Delivered on the funness of the whole thing. And I got that in strides here. I'm glad. I... What were your thoughts on seeing Zeus in a little skirt prancing around? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it so much. I it's always so fascinating to me going from reading like Percy Jackson, like you know he's like this big mighty hero, or just like anything else where it's like that, then like actually researching what Zeus is like, and he's just the worst. And seeing that here, that he's just a horny guy that just wants to have sex and just is the worst. Played by Russell Crowe was just. A delight. <laughs> yeah, I am mixed on that scene because I really, really appreciate Taika making fun of gods. <laughs> it's so fun. I loved it. Uh, and kind of like a condemning of like religion is stupid. Not in like a, in a mean way, but poking fun of this is all a little silly. Because Taika's a Jewish man. And he's very, he's religious. And he's like, this is all a little silly, guys. Calm down. And because he's like, Gore's kind of right. If we keep praying and nothing happens, we'd make our own change. That's part of the thing. And I like that. I like that he, the commentary in that. I wish dove a little more into that. But I think it was a visual aspect of that, of having Zeus prance around and be an idiot, kind of shows off a bit. Uh, we got to see Chris Hemsworth's ass. So anyone that's been dying to see that, you're welcome. My mom wants to watch the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 
the the throne room scene was very silly, very garish, but I liked the poking fun of the gods, and I think it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I think if there is any complaint aside for myself, aside from Gore, isn't in the film as much as I would have liked him to be. Exploring Thor's, I guess, psyche in this, because like they do reference it a lot and they do talk about it, that he's still struggling in- internally with a lot of stuff. It wasn't as explored as much as I wish that it was, because they do point it out a lot in this. And while it's there in the story, I feel like it could have been a more centered focus even more, especially with Jane's story of, like, you know, how she is dying and then he, like, learns about that. They could have leaned into it a lot more and had an even bigger tone shift on the second half. Didn't happen, and I wish that it did, but it doesn't knock the film down super much for me. But that is a complaint I've seen, and I do understand, and I do agree with it. It would be nice to see him butcher some more gods. Always. Yeah, I would really like to see how he killed the giant, the big giant one. Yeah, all we saw Gore really do is take some kids. Yeah. So that's not, he didn't really do a lot. Well, I mean, I guess the idea was at least behind the mystery of like this small puny guy with a sword was able to take down that giant thing. That like the intimidation of that. Fair. Here's another thing that if you watched in Endgame, if you watch that with this giant thing happening of him leaving with the Guardians on Adventures... Expecting to see the Guardians of this movie, you will be disappointed. They are in it for about five minutes. I was not expecting them to be in the movie that much. But when they were there, I thought that the scene with them was fun. I just don't love the idea of the MCU setting things up and then writing it off, which happens quite a bit now, it feels like. When we have Doctor Strange with Mordo at the end, and then it's like, actually, he's been fighting us for a while, but we're not going to see that. Not amazing. Well, I mean, that's just part of the filmmaking process, especially for the MCU, because, like, Feige has said, like, we plant these seeds and we don't know what exactly we're going to do with it or if we're going to follow through on it. It's more just kind of like they're figuring out as they go. While it's planned out to a certain extent, it, not every single minute detail is is planned out oh, in that kind of sense. I'm aware. So, like, so, like, him going with the Guardians, like, I was expecting... I was never expecting it to be an entire movie of him teaming up with the Guardians. I wasn't uh, either. As long as... As long as there was payoff to it, that's all that mattered. I wanted it to have an impact, though, and that didn't really have an impact on him. I mean, maybe they'll have more of an impact in Guardians 3. Right, that's my thought, is that he'll have more time with them in Guardians 3. Because maybe we'll see that that those those missions and stuff that we didn't get to see from this in Guardians 3. Maybe this took place after that point. I mean, it could lead into, like, Adam Warlock, especially because, like, Gore the God Butcher and, like, Adam Warlock is basically a god, sort of, in a sense. So, like, it could involve that. True! We'll find out. Do you like the ending with him and the, the Love and Thunder girl? I thought that was... Sur- I think that it sets up an interesting path for him to go on in the next film. Obviously, we'll Do have to see... Do you want a next like, film? I would be fine seeing the continued uh, adventures, especially Thor like five. with Hercules. <laughs> a Thor 5. I, but seeing like a superhero be a dad, especially in this kind of sense, we haven't really seen... Again, this is me off the top of my head, just thinking. So I think adding that... I think would be interesting. But who knows, maybe Taika won't make the next one because he'll be busy with Star Wars. Josh, we saw the dad without a relationship in Kick-Ass. What do you mean? With with uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very different film. <laughs> yes, but the relationship was still there, Josh. <laughs> Look, he- I've been seeing a lot of father-son relationship in The Boys. I wouldn't exactly call that a great role model. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I generally agree that it was cute at the end i i didn't love the vibes of it but that's fine i think it should be the end of odin's son's his mcu time pretty much though personally 
I think my kind of thoughts on the MCU just still going, I think is, I'm glad that it's gone from building up to this giant thing to now just being focusing on the solo adventures. And if you want to skip out one, you can skip out one and you're not going to miss anything major in the universe, essentially. Obviously, that's not entirely true. Like WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, you kind of need to see WandaVision for it to make more sense. But I'm very curious to see where it's going forward, just on the individual side of it all. Yeah, but are you okay if Odinson does not come back anymore? I think that if he doesn't come back, I just want, if, like, the fifth film would be the last one, then I would want it to be an actual conclusion. Fair enough. To, to at least his story. And, of course, with the ending with Jane, the second end credit scene, we don't know exactly how Valhalla works. We don't know if she can somehow come back from that. We don't know. It would be cool if she somehow kept fighting and got out of there. I think it'd be neat. But more of an out, and if the next movie is about, is this called The Mighty Thor? That'd be cool. I'd be, I'd be very excited for that. And, like, already this film is doing extremely well. So, like, another film would not be out of the realm of possibility. Would you be okay with another director coming back, coming in and doing it? I've, I'm always down for seeing what a new director can bring to an established character. Like, if John Watts doesn't return to make more Spider-Man movies, I'm fine with that. As long as someone has a good, clear vision, then I'm very curious to see what they can do with it. Any other final thoughts on Love and Thunder before we move on? Oh, yes! Yeah, hold on. Gay rock men. So, <laughs> two men, if they are in love, walk into a volcano together, sit in the lava for a long time while holding hands, and a baby will be born. Literally, they just hold their hands over lava for like a month, and then the baby's born. And it makes a little bit of sense with how rocks work. Like it. I love. I love the. Uh, his <laughs> I love his partner at the end had like a rock mustache. Uh huh. Heimdall's son seems to be a, tra a trans boy. I love that. Cool. I was fine with that. That's great. This is I, I want to have more of this be more commonplace in the MCU going forward. Yeah. Oh, Rockman. <laughs> Taika keeps playing gay characters. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I, I'm just, no, just an observation. <laughs> just an observation. <laughs> Any thoughts on Love Thundery Boy? I'm trying to think if I have anything else I wanted to say, really. I really don't hate it. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing. If I had a lot of problems with it's coming from a place of love and wanting things to be the best they can be or having, you know, whatever. That's always how it is. Like, if Josh critiques critique something, similar vibes. He wants, he might just trash some things, but in general, he often just wants things to be the best they can be. That's I learned I learned a long time ago, and this is a lesson that I feel like a lot of people that are critics, in quotes, on any social media platform don't seem to understand. You critique something because you love something. You want it to be better than it is, or you already love it and you're giving constructive criticism on how better it could be if you're just yelling into a microphone that something is bad but you're not offering any reasons or ways of making it better then you're not critiquing you're just hating you're harassing you're bullying you're not critiquing because you love it you just critique it because you want to hate it and like that's the wrong way to do it you know what it's time for what that sounds familiar it's time for Stronger Thanks. Wow. <sighs> Season 4, Stranger Things Happened, Parts 1 and 2. We've touched on this the past two episodes a bit now already. It was just like random fun things or things we thought about. But... Yes. Wow. There's a Nothing lot. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know what I mean, though? I, I can't <laughs> understand that, yes. <laughs> I as epic or, or powerful as this journey was to these people, 
nothing changed. <laughs> Status quo-wise, nothing changed. While I did love it, I do understand that. Like, a lot of it is characters that are either stuck in some place or they go someplace and it's about them getting back to a certain place. But it's also a lot of just explaining stuff and setting up for the final season. They really should not do a time jump. They should not do it. I really hope they don't. <laughs> okay. Especially with how, with how it ends, they really should Also, shouldn't. this entire Stranger Things part will be spoilery. There's nothing to not spoil. Because it's also yeah. the fourth season of something. Like, part one's been out for, like, a month now, and part two was only two episodes, so... We have timestamps. There's more of this episode you can listen to. Skip ahead. Cool, they're gone. All right. Um, I don't know where we get. There's so many things that happen in this episode, Josh. And this, there, this finale and stuff. There's quite a lot. There's a lot of nitpicks I have, too, but I, it's just, like, there's so many things. I didn't take any notes for this beforehand. <laughs> Neither did I. We're dumb. <laughs> I just, especially after the finale with the explanations and stuff, I really do need to go back and rewatch the first seasons and like really see the whole Vecna stuff. And because it, it does make things make a little bit more sense. And like Will getting captured, like if that the Demogorgon wouldn't have taken him, that wouldn't have made sense. The Demogorgon would have eaten him. We don't know the full details or anything yet. We'll see more details soon. I want to say that I am happy Jason died. Yeah, melted he, he met, half. He, I I am still surprised the show has a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, it's pretty it's, intense. It's quite violent this season. I wish the horror stayed throughout the whole season, not just like at the beginning. I can understand that because it kind of went away from the horror vibes pretty fast. The whole show is still a horror show. That's not quite like it's still about xenophobia. It's still about red scare. It's still about intrinsically cultural fears. That's what horror is about. I want to say that we will miss things in this, in this video, in this podcast. We will not say every detail that you want us to say, because there's, there's yes. a lot. There's quite a lot. We will not get everything, because we forget, and we're idiots It's sometimes. also 13 hours. Correct. People hate Mike irrationally. <laughs> like, it's a lot of hate for a 15-year-old character who literally was just trying to talk to his girlfriend. <laughs> Do what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my favorite thing is, that I've seen recently is after Jonathan and Will have like that really great heart to heart conversation, <laughs> and Jonathan like storms out. The look he gives Mike is just a look of murder, and I think it's hilarious. I don't think it was even intended to be like that. I think it was just the way it was shot and the way that happened. Oh no, I know that's not their intention, but it's so funny just to think of it like that. <sighs> I love that people are like. Why was this show not explicitly addressing his sexuality? I mean, they kind of did. They just literally... It was... He's a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid who's still confused by himself at a time that's not at all accepting. Why would he say anything? Robin hasn't even... Robin's not out and proud. She only yeah. just out to literally one person because it was a life-or-death scenario. Yeah. That's... Like, there's, a, there's a difference between how it happened in the 80s and how it happens now. And I look at it still historically accurate with that, at least. Like, I, I appreciate they're trying to keep all the human elements as grounded in reality and in the time as they can. Even the tags on their costumes are authentic. Like, I love that detail. Um, and I like how, I think, the Will thing was pretty explicit to the audience. It was pretty clear. Yeah, like, if you're like Mike and can't seem to see, read between the lines, then, like, that's just on you. I actually think Mike's going to bring it up to him next season, specifically because of... I've 
one thing. I feel like he has. I feel like he has to. I, I think he's gonna know. Say like, I know you. I know what you know because I know. I know what you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, I should know what I know. If I don't know what I know, that's really confusing. <laughs> but the reason I'm saying that is because he knows for a fact Eleven did not commission that painting. Because in the oh, first yeah. episode, the letter, Eleven wrote, he's painting something. I haven't seen it yet, but I think it's for a girl. He seems to like, like I'm like, okay. Oh, right. I forgot about that. He, so there, that was to Mike. Therefore, Mike knows that painting was not, was, was intended for someone he likes. Oh, I forgot about that. So that's why it was awkward in that card. Okay. That makes more sense. What would you say? Yeah, because, like, Mike already had suspicions, like, in season three, and, like, now his suspicions are basically confirmed. And they've so referenced... Now, like, what is... Yeah, since episode one, they've referenced Will's sexuality, the entire show. Yeah. So now Mike is just like, hmm, how best do I go about this? Quoting Alfred, how best to describe it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed the handling of Will's situation. Also, Noah Schnapp did a great job. The late, great Eddie Munson... He's coming back. I hope he does. Do you know you don't play D and D at all? I do not. Do you know anything about Vecna in D and D? I do not. Do you have you ever heard of Cast the Bloody Handed? I have not. Cool. So Cast the Bloody Handed <laughs> is Vecna's right hand man. In the game of D and D that Eddie was hosting, he had the main villain being Vecna. Next to Vecna uh -huh. was Cast the Bloody Handed. On the side, on his side of the board. And Castle Bloody Handed, being Vecna's right-hand man, is important. And also, Castle Bloody Handed in D&D &D ultimately betrays Vecna. Let me keep talking, because... Uh... So, Castle Bloody Handed is a character who's a vampire who was killed by bats. Eddie has a bats tattoo, and how did he die? He got eaten by bats. Left in the Upside Down as well. Oh, shit. He's gonna come back as a monster on Vecna's side, and then we'll betray him. Oh, no, that's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> They've done foreshadowing with Dungeons & Dragons a lot. It's, yeah. it's definitely meant purposefully. Uh, oh, that's good. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> but still, his, his quote-unquote death, for, and we're putting it on quotes for now, that still hurt. <laughs> also, Max, I don't like the, that uh, Eleven became Jesus at the end. And just like, I'm going to give you my life now. Live! <laughs> well, is she really alive, though? We like, don't when know. She, when, when Eleven went into her mind, she, she there was nothing. There's a theory that because Vecna like, absorbs all the memories and personalities of everyone he's ever been with, that he has all of her mind inside him still. And they're going to like have to get it from her, from his, uh, his mind. It's a possibility. I can see that. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in season five. We don't know. We're just like saying things. Max Mayfield, though, I rip. I love it that the first two seasons, like, Will just, like, had the worst stuff happening to him, and now for these two seasons, Max has had the worst stuff happening to her, so, like, who's gonna have the worst stuff happening to them in the next season? Will. It's, coming, it's all gonna come back to Will. Yeah, it's true. People have called Will... Will, people Will, have, Will got a break for two seasons. People have called Will a Horcrux already. That he'll be the last, he'll have to die to, to stop the Upside Down. Oh, great. I do like that I called it early on that I think season five is going to be a battle all of Hawkins like weird Mageddon style against the upside down yes I want that I loved the number one stuff the Henry Creel stuff fascinating I, I love seeing that was done very well yeah Robert England as 
Freddy Krueger himself, Michael Myers himself being here again. That was cool as Victor Creel. I have TikToks about nitpicks and other random thoughts I've had. Go to my TikTok at that nerd in theater to hear more of my thoughts on Stranger Things. I'm going to forget things initially, always. I think new favorite character that was introduced, I probably would say Eddie. That that man, just uh, the rocket, the rock. The, I can't what? word. The, gu- the guitar solo he does in the upside down is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. But it also makes no goddamn sense. Because I don't care. It was cool. All they needed to do is distract the bats. They have speakers. They put the speakers at the other house and keep playing things. Or play the. This is. <laughs> this is not about being smart. This is about being a cool motherfucker. Also, people saying he died for nothing is not true. He stopped the bats from going back to the house. He bought them time. Li- yeah, like he didn't die for nothing. No. Also, we didn't see a body. How did Brenner survive? Why was it never addressed? We talking about Papa? Yeah, it should have been addressed. Oh, yeah. It really should have been addressed. It he just made, has, like, one small scar on his face. It like, makes no, no sense. No, no, no. We, saw how the, t- we see how the Demogorgons fight in the final episodes. And they it, eat. They consume everything. And also, if you watch it, if season one finale clip again of Brenner, he's dead. They It pounces on him, claws out, ready to destroy him. Yeah, like, there should have been an explanation. But I think the Duffer brothers were just like, we need Papa back, but we also kind of killed him. Let's just brush past he died and just not say anything and everything will be fine. They promised Matthew Modine he'd return as Brenner. They said that he'd come back after season one. They promised him. Like, as an actual character. Why did they kill him? They told him he's still alive after the end. You d- okay, whatever. Fine. Uh, it, w- it led to an interesting arc. And season two, they did the little tease where, he came back, where the actor came back for one episode. When Kali I was, yeah. Yeah, I was fine with that. And then... Season 3 didn't show up, so he said he lost hope. He's going to go back. And then season 4, like, hey, come back. I thought the way that his actual death this time, of how that was done, and, like, Eleven not forgiving him, even though he asked for it, I thought it was very well done. I thought that was very... Yeah, he's still an abusive monster. Yeah, like, his intentions might have been good, but also, he's the worst. Were they entirely good, though, ever? It's still a power play. (laughs) He started as a... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he might have at first wanted to help Henry. That might have been true. But past that point, he created a little army of, of demon children. Yeah. <laughs> I like that the reason the Vecna can open portals is because he took the power from Eleven. Yeah. Even though it doesn't make sense because her powers came from literally him. Any powers that anyone else has should have been Henry's first. It's, it's fine. Also, I'm still upset he didn't explain how Henry actually got his powers ever because uh, one major point in this in the whole show was that they kept pushing home that is that everything has an explanation everything even weird otherworldly stuff is like based in science they have patterns they have every creature was like an animal like it all makes sense Did, uh, didn't you didn't you listen to him he said he opened his mind <laughs> <laughs> shut up josh <laughs> yeah bring back bob newbie no i'm kidding don't bring him back, but I want to. I want to watch him be wholesome and fun again. With with Joyce and Hopper finally getting together, don't don't bring back Bob. This is gonna hurt him even more. He's also very much dead. Yeah, he's he's very dead. Hopper should also be dead. He at least he has infections. He has frostbitten feet. Very clearly, they don't address. A lot of other health issues have come from this prison. 
He said he'd be eating maggot-filled sandwiches. He is the most American man. He can survive anything. He's the Red Guardian. This is his in, his <laughs> origin story. The only negative health effect was that it took away his dad bod and made him rip. Also, all the scars covering his entire body. That's true. He was quite scarred. Also, they're about to have sex in a church. I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have felt weird. <laughs> would have felt Especially, like, you know, with, with Enzo and what's his... And everyone else, like, being outside. Just, like, that would have been awkward. What's funny is that Enzo has a name. They said his name this season. No one remembers it. I don't remember it. Exactly! I don't remember it. What, what, my mind keeps going to, like, Sergey, but I know that's not it. <laughs> that, Ser- Sergey Kravenov? The Craven the Hunter? The animal lover? I know it's not Smirnoff. I was just thinking of season three when he kept calling. Also, um, Argyle, so much fun at the end. I loved what he was doing, man. Yeah. My dude, we need your soul. <laughs> I loved Argyle. He he's he played that stoner character perfectly. He, he was a delight. Catching him in the car with Eden was very fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed those last like two two or three episodes when he's like, shaved head, cool, that's awesome. Uh, superpowered girl, awesome, no question. Being shot at, <laughs> I'm, I'll be your driver. I'm I'm sure with all of this. <laughs> it's all good. I'm gonna make a headstone for the for the secret agent guy with our names on it, which is a bad idea. I hope that he comes back for the final season. If he doesn't, I will be sad. We have to talk about the very ending, Josh. All of Hawkins being ripped open. Yeah, so at first it seems like that everything is fine. But then Max dies, completing the the circle, I guess, of the clock metaphor. <laughs> the circle clock metaphor? You know what I mean. If, so the cracks form all throughout Hawkins, leading right smack dab to the center of it, opening up a giant portal between here and the upside down. And people still think it's Eddie. It's just like, okay, we're far past the point of you thinking that a D&D game is making people cultists, and now it's just like, this is just ridiculous. It's one thing to think that D&D makes people believe in Satan. But yes, to think that, that thing. thinking that they are doing satanic rituals with people flying in the, in the air, their limbs are breaking, their eyes are falling on their head, as well as a crack to hell opens up. What? What? I found yeah. I also found that the two days later thing kind of kind of lazy writing because there were a lot of questions that should have been addressed like that a very next moment how they get the out of the upside down what happened to Eddie's body a lot of things like that they're like just shouldn't have been skipped past as much it would have been so ballsy of them to just end this end the season on the cracks opening up and cut to black and roll the credits that's what it should have been I think it sh- I think it should have been that too I think that would have been a much stronger ending. Also, if you notice that everyone at the at the very very end, they walk out to look in the field, looking at, at um, the cracks. They're all in their couples, uh-huh. except oh, Mike weird. is next to Will, and Eleven's on her own. Uh huh. I'm like the gay. I love it. What else should we address? Eddie's uncle deserved better. Yeah, Eddie deserved better. Eddie did deserve better. I, I sobbed twice in that final episode. I sobbed when Eddie died. I sobbed when Max, uh, Max was dying. Um, well, when else? They basically, uh, just, they, with... they basically did the uh, Spider-Man Infinity War scene again. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, okay. <laughs> and then when Dustin was comforting Eddie's uncle, uh, that also broke me. Uh, I was really, really uncomfortable when a white 17-year-old pulled a gun on a black 15 year old 14 year old and threatened yeah. him as well as his buddy 
pinning down an 11 year old black girl on the on the yard, really, un- and threatening to break her arm. Very uncomfortable. And while I don't think either of those characters were racist characters, they were committing a racist act, still racial undertones. There's a difference. Yeah. Like Caleb McLuckin said, he doesn't think the difference between Jason and Billy is that Billy was an actual racist asshole, whereas Jason was just driven and going a bit crazy and exhausted and having the wrong ideas in his head. But that doesn't under, that does not remove the racial undertones that were that were happening very clearly. And I yeah, and also the fact that Lucas has not had a single story for himself in the whole four seasons is kind of messed up. They need some black writers in the writers' room. Yeah. Like, Erica is still just the sassy black girl trope, which is all she's been so far, and that's really upsetting. Lucas, at first, was the straight man, like, the skeptic, that kind of thing. And since then, he has not had, legitimately, a single solo story or a story for his own character. Mike, Dustin, and Will, and Eleven, and Nancy, and Jonathan, and Steve, and Robin have all had those kind of stories and character moments on their own. Lucas's only story at all he's been given all four seasons has been a little bit with Max in season two, but it was still tied to Max, a white woman. And then this one, trying to impress the white men. So, maybe, writers, hey Duffers, I know you're white. I'm white. Josh is white. But we're asking you, let someone in who's not white (laughs) to write for a bit. Yeah. Josh, you agree with this? Yeah. Why are they only killing new characters? I'm, we should have known that Eddie was going to die at, at the end of this. They did it to Bob in season two. They did it in season three to Alexi. And they did it in season four to Eddie. And in season every one time they Barb. introduce, Every time they introduce an extremely likable side character, they kill them off. And I hate it. You know what's funny? The <laughs> first two seasons, Barb and Bob are bees. And now it's the M's. Max Mayfield and Eddie Munson. Ah. They just pick a letter and then roll the dice. Max Mayfield, I also think either stick to what you're going to do and actually kill them like actually do it fully have a stake for an actual main character or don't do it at all I don't love that they, they broke her uh, they did that to her because of one thing it kind of undoes how great the episode 4 stuff was to me why do that exact thing to still kill her I I understand it but this time it was it, the episode four was like you know her surviving not having any answers and just being scared shitless the whole time but this one it was she was just like i have to do this like this is she doesn't know she's going to survive this but she would rather be the one to have to take up this burden rather than someone random that they have no idea that doesn't deserve this to happen to them and it's also internally she still has hatred and self-doubt about herself with how she feels towards billy and everything so like there's that part of her that feels like that she does deserve it it's a very complex and complicated thing that she's been dealing with this entire season the most tragic part of season four to me at least that moment to me was that max's biggest fear was seeing Lucas be mad at her. Yeah. So that's what Vecna... I was, at first, I was just like, wait, is that actually Lucas? Like, this show actually, like, got me for a second. But I will say, Max Mayfield, why the fuck did Lucas not belch out running up the hill to you? They made a point of breaking the Walkman. Lucas has made a, has made a point episodes earlier saying that he loves Kate Bush now and he's been listening to it because it can save her. And also, the actor was on Broadway in Lion King as Simba. Like, well, we don't we don't know specifically like if it's just the song or if it has to be the specific right. like. Music I think of it. he should have. It 
should have been tried. Yeah. I think that it would have been really powerful to see him start him start belting all his heart and soul out. Even if it didn't work, seeing the attempt there would have been really powerful. Or even just singing it to her while she's dying. It felt really weird to not have him try. I'm happy that this went back to more of the horror routes. Yeah, I, I really liked this. I wish that it wasn't the full piggyback from so far away, honestly. Because this is the first season where there's no point in any of the battling, quote-unquote, where the characters are not all together. We never got to see yeah. Joyce be a mom for one second, really. She never got to know what was happening with her kids. Not really. Yeah. But I'm but I'm happy that in the final season, everyone is finally back in Hawkins, and we can finally get everyone back together again. We, all Will wanted all of season three was to play D&D. Then once he left, they all joined a D&D club in high school. But he doesn't know that, and he doesn't have to know that. So <laughs> shush. It's the saddest thing, though, right? <laughs> oh, it's very sad. <laughs> I think Eleven should play with them. She won't understand what's happening, but she will pretend that, like she does. She'll just move the pieces time. with her mind and pretend to win. Uh, also i yeah. do like that jim hopper and mike were like we're good now a little hug yeah the i stole your look line made me want to cry oh yeah yeah when they reunited i definitely cried and i was thinking at one point why didn't she look for him with her powers oh wait she couldn't overall really exciting season to have <laughs> i didn't like the weird mormon side quest i'm just glad that they brought Susie back even if it was for uh, one scene Oh, yeah, one episode. All the Mormon kids. <laughs> there were so many of them. Shooting a movie. <laughs> uh, Dad, your terror looked genuine. Looked real. Thanks, son. <laughs> you ready for season five? Sure, it'll be like two years, but sure. Oh, you know uh, that the Deafers are making a live-action Death Note show now? Ready for our final topic, Josh? Josh, what is a super weird story? Uh, it's uh, I know nothing about nothing about comics, and so Sean yells at me saying, "Hey, here's a weird thing. You look at the weirdness." And I'm like, "Oh, that certainly was weird." Last episode, we talked about Hammer and Anvil. Yep, uh, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, and that was fascinating, right, Josh? Yep. <laughs> In this episode. We're going to talk about Digital Justice. Batman Digital Justice. Why does it sound like a sequel to Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase? Well. <laughs> oh, no. Do you want to have pictures of this one? Because I have pictures to show you. Sure. Okay. Let's begin. It is an actual comic book. Ah. But it was made entirely CG. Come again? It was made entirely CG. So it's a motion comic. No, it's a printed comic. But all the images was, were made in a computer. I feel like... I can't tell if that's more effort or less effort. Either way, it's weird effort. In 1990, yes, of course. Oh, no. DC Comics published a rather unique Batman story called Digital Justice. Written and designed by Pepe Moreno and dialogue from Doug Murray... It was additional design work by Javier Romero. Digital Justice utilized what was at the time of its publication state-of-the-art computer graphics in lieu of traditional artwork. So, the characters and stuff look... Have you ever watched, like... Hmm. 
Are we talking like VeggieTales CG or regular cartoon CG that happened before Toy Story? Oh, before Toy Story, cheap cartoon CG. Oh no. Yeah, let's let's like as an example. Let's. I'll show you a picture of the comic, okay? Please do. I'm very curious. <laughs> Here's the cover. It's not the, the worst. Uh, there's more. It's still weird. <laughs> as always, there's more. So, split into four chapters and set sometime into the next century, Digital Justice followed Sergeant James Gordon as he investigated mysterious goings-on in Gotham and Gotham Megatropolis, a futuristic city filled with technology, and during the course of the story, Gordon dons a bat suit to become the city's new champion while taking on a new threat from the Joker. So it's set in the 22nd century, I think. So 21-something. Um, James Gordon is Jim Gordon's grandson. Okay. A new threat from the Joker, Josh, because the Joker's back, of course. As always, is is this a Batman Beyond Return of the Joker scenario? No, he's a computer virus, I think. Somehow I can buy that easier than I can what they did in Batman Beyond. <laughs> but that was a cool story. I'm not denying that. And here's a panel. This is more along the lines of what we get, of uh, art-wise. Ah. A little worse? I retract my statement of it not looking that bad. So yeah, if you look, all Google um, Batman Digital Justice, you'll see more of the imagery. Like, you want to see what Joker looks like? Please. There you go. Ah, uh, I highly re- retract my please. How do you describe what you're looking at, Josh? I am looking at a golf ball with some triangles. Wait, wait, uh, pink, why pink, does he pink look? Golf balls for eyes. He looks like the the, the thinking train from a Shark Boy Lava Girl. The, yeah. the giant floating face? Yep. <sighs> this is... This is bad. I know that this is for the era. It's still bad. What's behind him? The artwork, the background. Uh, Someone ate too many mushrooms and got <laughs> high. So it's kind of like weird lava-y squiggles of color. Yep. So yeah, giant golf ball, like two golf ball eyes, weird panels of green. Hair isn't the right word. But green. Yeah. Uh, detached, giant smile. Let's go through the, the four main chapters in our story. Sergeant James Gordon is becoming suspicious of the technology that enhances his day-to-day life. Servo cops, robotic law enforcement drones, appear to be ignoring protocol. Hmm, Ultron? <laughs> Resulting in deadly consequences. Upon further investigation, Gordon discovers that the servo cops are unable to read ID cards, and as a result, they initiate deadly self-defense procedures. Jesus! It would seem that someone is orchestrating this system failure, and that someone is the Joker, a.k.a. this weird virus thing that looks like a golf ball. That's chapter one. Chapter two. This weird virus thing that looks like a golf ball. <laughs> chapter two. Gordon is suspended from the police force, and his colleague is killed. Oh, that's a good start! <laughs> Realizing his investigation is getting him into into a dire situation, he looks to an old legend for assistance, the legend being Batman. That's like me now, dressing up as Blackbeard, and just going fighting crime. It's really weird idea, right? Yeah. Searching through his late grandfather's possessions, Gordon discovers an old Batman costume that was gifted to Commissioner Gordon from Bruce Wayne. What? Why? <laughs> 
putting on the costume Sergeant Gordon takes to the streets as the Batman, the city's new savior. That's chapter two. Chapter three. Okay. Batman. Uh, obviously, there's more details than this. I'm just doing the synopsis of each thing. Chapter three. Batman gains a partner in the shape of Robin. Not in the shape. He gets a in the shape of Robin. <laughs> like it's not even a person. It's just a shape that looks like Robin. <laughs> it's also the only Asian Robin we've ever gotten. Fascinating. The only like specifically Asian Robin. Well, I guess Damien. He's half Middle East, so yeah. Da- Damien's mixed. Yes. But he also draws more attention from the servo cops. The drones are sent to his home to silence him, but he is rescued by a seemingly sentient Batcraft, a modern-age Batmobile. The Batcraft takes Batman and Robin to Wayne Manor, where the dynamic duo are welcomed by an artificial intelligence representation of the original Batman, as created by Bruce Wayne. The AI tech explains that many years ago, the Joker created a computer virus, and this is the virus that has infiltrated the systems which operate the city. So, Bruce Wayne put himself in a computer... Yep. Sounds about right. That feels like comic book stuff that would happen, though. Yeah. With the help of the Bat AI, Batman and Robin take Joker virus, as well as his accomplices, including the mayor of Gotham. During The mayor of Gotham is Joker's accomplice? That's terrible. That feels also like Gotham City. Yeah. During the showdown, Batman is digital, digitized and transported into cyberspace. <laughs> All right. Believing it has been successful in defeating the Cape Crusader, the Joker's virus lets its guard down, allowing the, the Bat AI to destroy the program. With the city free of the Joker virus, citizens of Gotham Megatropolis look toward a future which is less reliant on technology. That's not going to stick. No. When it was conceived, digital justice was pitched as the next step in comic book uh, design. Oh boy. <laughs> Thank goodness that it didn't happen. A bold new direction. Indeed. To showcase what computer-generated art could do. We've gotten that in video games. Um, thankfully, they did not put that on the page. All these years on, and now, because of that, because of that computer-generated art, it is incredibly dated. <laughs> yep. Perhaps yeah. even more so than classic Batman stories. Yes, indeed. At least in the look. Content might be not as dated. Content, uh, it seems like what your typical story would be, but, man, that artwork... Digital justice represents a future dreamed up by late 80s and early 90s. It has shades of RoboCop uh, and offers up a future that science fiction films repeatedly predicted we would live in. Do you want more pictures? I have more pictures. I always like pictures. And this is the bat suit that Robin that he got from Bruce Wayne from uh, from Gordon, I guess. Oh, oh my! It's bad, right? He looks oh, like bad. He looks like Big Daddy. Yeah. Um. That's- that's unfortunate. It really is. Also, why did Bruce give Gordon a bat suit? Oh, what's that story like? <laughs> so we Bruce have is just like I, Bruce is just like here's a spare. I don't wear it anymore. The characters in this include James Gordon slash Batman, Lena Schwartz, Robert Chang slash Robin, Harold Grover, Paul Cami slash No Man, Sheila Romero as Gara um, Gata slash Catwoman. So it is a version of Catwoman in this. Maria Romero slash Madame X, Luke Crater slash Lawman, and Hiroshi Basho slash Moblord, and Jackie Becker as slash the Media Man. The full cover looks like this. I mean, that's not the worst. It's not good. I never said it was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, the partner that he had uh, while fighting crime that was killed that made him want to become Batman was named Lena Schwartz. That was his his cop partner. 
the Fascinating. Robin the Robert Chang was a teenage street punk informant for the government. Okay. And there was a female pop music superstar named Sheila Romero who becomes Catwoman in this. While being an adversary at first, of course, became Gordon's lover and ally. All in the case of these four issues, which look not amazing, but I like that they tried something new. Yeah, you often re- don't really see that happening in comics. Like, if they try something new, it's literally just, you know, like, bringing in new artists. But this is literally a bringing in a different medium of sorts and putting it into a different medium. And that's bold and creative, so I respect that a lot. Yeah. And the story seems fascinating. I'm fine with, like, future versions, like, Elseworlds stories or whatever. Cool. Yeah. So, Josh, where can people find you online? Oh boy, uh, you can find me on many social medias. Uh, Instagram at J underscore Rudy16, Twitter at J underscore Rudy28, TikTok at Rudy underscore The Film Nerd, and on YouTube at Josh Rudolph. You can find me at That Nerd Theater on TikTok and Instagram. You can find me at The Theater Nerd on Twitter. And if you want to email in the show, you can email us at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet at us with hashtag geekspeakpod, and we will answer all of your comments, questions, and concerns. We'd love to just talk to you all about whatever. If you have a specific question about films or our opinions on literally anything on which shoe is best, we'll answer it. So, whatever you want. I believe that slides are the best form of shoes. They're so easy to wear. Exactly. Oh, McDonald's. (laughs) It's not a shoe. No, but it has fries. (laughs) Ah, still not a shoe, but I agree. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.